Tommy, did you ever think there was more to podcasting than being really, really, really ridiculously good-looking? Zoolander, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is Tommy. Tommy, yeah. what's it like to watch a movie for the very first time? Uh, great. I mean, this is a movie that like on a technicality, I've seen bits and pieces of this movie like for years on Comedy Central. And like, it's just been meme to death. I like half the movie's sat- been meme to death. Yeah, exactly. That too. That too. And like, you know, I've I've just I've seen like a lot a big chunk of this movie before, but just never from start to finish and like one sitting or something. Technically, not even one sitting tonight because I had to watch this uh, the second half uh, right before we recorded because I fell asleep at like nine o'clock at night because that's how I do. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. I like this movie <laughs> a lot. It was funny. If you've been a long time listener, you know that Tommy loves falling asleep during movies it's his national pastime mine is baseball which is also coming up mm-hmm. opening day this thursday i've tried to do a baseball movie this time for uh for i kind of <laughs> i kind of forgot to be honest but tommy first time watching zoolander we'll dive deeper into that movie but we want to talk about a, a movie that we both saw over this weekend <laughs> John Wick. So hot right now. John Wick. We both saw John Wick 4 over the weekend. And I would love to know your thoughts. Because did have we ever said shared the story of John Wick 3 that we saw together on this podcast? Uh, we have it on our main feed, but we did mention it on the Film versus Film podcast. So we guessed it on uh, this past week uh, about John Wick and L-Red action movies. Um, we saw John Wick 3 in... Uh, Times Square, this uh like three four years ago, with our buddy friend of the pod. I, mean, I probably shouldn't mention him, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, whatever. And uh, he was, uh, you know, a few drinks in, and uh, we saw the movie in 4DX, and he managed to pass out during the 4DX. And uh, like, I looked to my right, and like, you know, the chairs like shaking us because like a bullet or something like that are happening, and was just passed out in his fucking chair, and just like snoring soundly, and the, the, the chair is pretty much rocking him to sleep and keeping him asleep. <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> so if, if you've never, so one, uh, I met Will beforehand and we, he was at a bar in the city. It was a rooftop bar and it's a really cool bar. It, it's, it's James Bond themed. So like, it's like got that aesthetic of the sixties, seventies, James Bond style, like really cool bar. He was probably mm-hmm. three martinis deep. <laughs> and yeah. we, so that from there he fell asleep and if you've never watched a movie in 4dx uh one don't it's terrible it's a terrible idea Uh, it it definitely (laughs) took away from we were like oh this would be sick like these movies are like roller coaster rides but the roller coaster ride works in universal studios when you're in the seat for three to five minutes at a max 
Yeah. <laughs> when you're just constantly getting like water dripped on you throughout a two hour movie, it sucks. It sucks yeah. hard. Or like every time a knife would happen or something like that, or a punch would happen, you'd feel it. Like the, the chair would punch you briefly. I was like, I don't want to get abused by this fucking chair throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. So don't see John Wick 4 and 4DX if you're in one of the limited areas that does have 4DX. Don't do it. Actually, I don't even know if John Wick 4 came out in 4DX, but. John Wick 4, it is the talk of Twitter. I, I saw a tweet and it was like, it's very funny. The discourse around pretty much any John Wick movie release is just positive from everybody. Like you just mm -hmm. don't, you don't hear anything bad about John Wick movies when they come out. Everybody's just like, oh yeah, that's cool. I'm going to go to a movie theater and watch John Wick kill people for two, two and a half hours. And that's exactly yeah. what this movie is. I, I so, feel you have to view John Wick though, like it plays in the rules of its own universe, and you just have to realize that he is a video game character. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they, that's where they get the inspiration from, and like you know, the gun foos kind of stuff to the stuff, and even to the point that like Keanu is a mostly silent protagonist throughout these movies, especially in this new one. I was just reading an article before we recorded about how um, I forget the exact number count, but like John like Wick doesn't three hundred and thirty words or something in the entire yeah, so the, script. Yeah. And this is a three-hour movie, practically. So, like, you know, throughout the whole movie, John Wick doesn't say much more than, like, just a few sentences or, like, just, like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. He's literally a video game protagonist. I mean, this movie was good. Um, I will say, we were talking earlier about how I love to pass out during movies. Uh, seeing this movie on 9 o'clock on a Saturday for a three-hour movie was a big mistake for me. I, my buddy and I that I saw the movie with, uh, at certain points, we both had to fucking, like, slap each other awake. <laughs> uh, but... You know, it wasn't the fall of the movie. I'm not going to blame the movie on that. I'm going to blame that me and, uh, you know, over um, my expectations being too much for myself. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't do a nine o'clock movie anymore, man. It's just not in the cards for you. No. Like, I feel like Endgame is your last late night movie that you're ever going to be able to do. I don't know how I used to do like fucking like uh, those midnight screenings, like when we saw like the Dark Knight Rises uh, um, and all that stuff. Like, you midnight. Were you were 20. You could you could take over the world when you're 19, 20. Yeah, that's true. I guess, you know, as a matter of fact, that we're now we're in our, closer to our 30s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but yeah, I, what I love about the John Wick movies is that they always premise on, like, leave it on the question of John Wick wants to be out of the game. Like, he started out of the game, then his mm -hmm. wife died, then they killed his dog, and he comes back in. And it always messages on the theme of, like, John, you've said for four movies now that that you want to be out of this, but you are a killer. Like the main, I thought the villain was great in this. Uh, the young, like French guy, he was awesome. Bill Skarsgård, Pennywise himself. <laughs> yeah, he was excellent. Donnie Yen, scene stealer, he was amazing in this. He was amazing and hilarious, and like he brought a levity that this movie kind of needed. Yeah, he brought the levity to the movie that it needed. If I had any complaints, there were a couple of action sequences where it literally just felt like a video game of like endless boss, like endless like grunt wave, especially when they were in the hotel in Japan, which was so like at the Continental in Japan, that was so cool. Mm -hmm. And then within then like they have the one fight scene in the um, in the room with like all the art pieces and stuff like that. And it went on for like close to 15, 20 minutes before Donnie Yen even walked into the room and I was like, okay. Yeah, if like, there's it's one fun, it's it's fun. It's fun to watch, but like it's a three hour movie. Like we could have trimmed this a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. 
if there's one complaint, I mean, like, it would be the runtime. This movie had no business being three hours. And, like, you know, the action scenes were all great and they were fun. But after a while, I mean, like, there's only so many times we could see similar action scenes over and over again before it just kind of gets repetitive or whatever. I, I give the movie a lot of credit and the direction a lot of credit because they're able to make any of the action sequences like you see every angle of the room that you're in in the setting that you're in there's the great stare sequence right before yeah, the, that was, the movie that was that was fun well, yeah. that was fun with a really like nice moment of levity too halfway through it and then at the end of that sequence uh yeah it, it's it, like there was the guy that was nobody where it just felt like yeah he had his like payoff quote unquote mm-hmm. but it just felt like it felt like they wrote a moment where they needed somebody to do something and to to help John Wick. And then they were just like, well, what if we had a character? And then we they kind of like backtracked him into the movie a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, he just like didn't feel necessary. But like the style, the ambiance, like it, it's so much fun. These movies are the definition of like style over substance, really. I mean, like this movie is all about style. I mean, they're like, you know, a few on dialogue, just mostly about the action. And for the most part, I know I just said it was a little repetitive at points, but for the most part, it does keep you engaged. And even though like I was watching this kind of half asleep at some points, it still felt really good in that aspect. And you can watch this movie half asleep and still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's style over substance. I would say it's style over reality. Cause I think they just, they do a good part of like weighing the anchor from everybody else's perspective and giving everybody else some sort of motivation to be involved. Like Winston has a great motivation to be involved. And when he tries <laughs> to contact John again, like, you don't know if it's going to be from a friendly point of view or from a negative point of view because of what happened to him at the beginning of the movie. I think it it adds that, like, interesting layer to it. It's not one of those movies that just, like, moves you along, and that's just with the franchise. And just the weight that they put on John as a character and, like, that defining of, does he actually want to be free or does he just want to kill people for the rest of of his life? Like, that's pretty much, you know, who he is. And I think the beauty of this movie is that it at the end it leaves that question pretty much unanswered, which mm. I think works in its favor. So John Wick four, I'd give it a four to five. Definitely go see it. A lot of fun. If you've seen the other John Wicks, the crazy thing is I've seen all the John Wicks, and like I always just forget the plot of them because they're always just like interchangeable. I mean, the only yeah. one I haven't seen, I've seen all of them, but two. Um, I need to go back to uh, the well, but. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, it was a really fun movie overall. I mean, I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. I mean, overall, I did like it a lot, but I felt like there was some stuff that I could have left on the cutting room floor. Um, yeah. yeah. But you know what? I respect the director for just like having the power to be like, no, I'm going to make an almost three-hour John Wick movie. If they're going to do yeah. it with all the superhero stuff, like you might as well do it with like a movie that actually deserves that kind of runtime. And it's the same director throughout all four movies, which is insane. You don't see that a lot in franchises. Well, what was it? Who's he? So him and another guy. Here, wait, hang on. Him and another guy. Um, yeah, technically, the first one was co-directed. It was uh, co-directed, co-directed, and they yeah. had a they had a nasty split. It was um, it's uh, Chad Stileski and David Leitch. David Leitch, yeah, he's the guy that did Deadpool 2. Yeah, but it's, fun, it's very funny how, like, their career paths separated when they did. Because, like, 
he kind of just went and did like standard run of the mill like Hollywood stuff. Like the Deadpool movies are fun. Like the first one was just like such a shock at the time that it came out. Deadpool mm-hmm. two to me, like I was like I never need to ever revisit that movie again. It was funny, but yeah, exactly. I mean, I haven't watched it since. But I mean, like, the thing is, at least this guy's doing a lot different uh, from filmographies, and he's doing more creative stuff. Whereas uh, Chad Stileski, or whatever the fuck his name is, he's uh, his filmography is only John Wick one, John Wick two, John Wick three, John Wick four. No, but this guy... I, I no, but I respect that about because like all the John Wick movies are so good. They they are all of them are so good, and he's a stuntman in the Matrix movies. Mm-hmm. So like obviously built that relationship with Keanu and just like completely understanding stunt coordination really shows in this movie. Mm-hmm. So John Wick four, go see it. And this is Zoo Lander. He's the most famous supermodel on the planet. Now the prime minister must be eliminated. He'll be called upon to save the day. We need your help. He just won't be able to spell it. D A I Y E. Friday. Meet the new face. The breakdance fighting of danger. Ben Stiller. If you find the files, you can stop them. They're in the computer. They're in the computer. Zoolander. Ready PG thirteen. Starts Friday every. So Tommy. Zoolander. So you'd seen bits and pieces of it. How did it feel as a mostly cohesive 90 minutes for you? Since apparently you can't even stay awake through 90 minutes of a movie. Uh, yeah, I had a few drinks that last night. So I mean, I, I think that's probably the main reason why I've been sleeping so early. But uh, no, I mean, overall, I, I thought this movie was hilarious. I mean, I was laughing throughout. I mean, some scenes in this movie just like, and some set pieces are just hilarious. I mean, like Zoolander itself as a character is just hilarious Ben Stiller's given his all right here and even like the ancillary characters I mean like his own dad Jerry Stiller's like batting 100 here you know all the side characters are batting 100 here well that's not his dad that's not his dad that's his manager marketing well his his in real life dad (laughs) oh right well his real life dad yes yes but Yeah. yeah so one of the things I noticed on this watch around is like how many stars there are who just make very ancillary appearances like it starts off with Trump and Melania Trump. And then yeah, what is the worst <laughs> right there? And then and then you have like David Duchovny like, makes an undercover appearance, Judah Freelanders in this, and then you have like all these models and stuff, like Heidi Klum's in this, Winona Ryder makes a random cameo, David Bowie makes a cameo, like so Natalie many Portman. Natalie Portman, so many just random, like yeah, like star studded, like a very much a star, even though it's just like little moments here or there, like very much throughout this entire movie, it mm. is a star studded flick. And uh, it, it it adds to create the reality of that of this world. Like, you know, obviously, it's just obscure and and not obscure, but it's it's heightened reality. It doesn't play by the rules of the, of the real world, but it, but it, it does layer on a weird thing where, it, you know, slightly political, I guess you could say the plot of this movie is, is that the fashion industry controls, you know, low, you know, low cost labor in, hmm. you know, Malaysia and other parts of the world. And the prime minister of Malaysia uh, wants to get rid of that and Mugatu played by Will Ferrell wants to have him killed and needs Derek Zoolander to do it so that's the main premise if you've never seen Zoolander 
it's it's so funny throughout. It's one of those movies you just wish didn't just flood the internet constantly. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, exactly at this point, I mean, like you know, the Magachi saying like, "Oh, uh, Hanzo's so hot." That's like a meme you see everywhere nowadays. I mean, like you know, this is just a movie that's been like quoted to death. I mean, I remember like back in the day, people would put on Facebook like uh, that the, the college I went to was the Derek Zoolander School for kids who uh, want to read. Uh, who can't read and want and, uh, who want to learn to do other good stuff too. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was a meme in itself too. <laughs> that's a meme in and of itself. And then there's the which I think is the funniest moment from when I was a kid when I first saw this when they do the um, where he loses male model of the year for the fourth time in the row and then they're like, what could we do to cheer ourselves up? Like let's go shopping and they go get like the drinks and then they go to the gas station to fill up. And oh start yeah, having the gas the gasoline <laughs> fight and then the. The, he walks away because the guy throws the Time magazine in the in the trash, and he's like, "Dude, you know, Eric, no!" And he's like lighting this like that is so well, but it's, it's so a, funny. I mean, in the, in the matter of it, I mean, that scene I think is the highlight of this movie comedically because I I remember seeing that scene on Comic Central back in the day, and that's what stuck with me in this movie a lot. And um, the use of "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" is just so fucking funny. That song, I think, to me is like one of the most hilarious songs ever where like i just play it in my car sometimes with my friends my friends always just be like kind of embarrassed i'm like nope we're doing this we're doing this cheesy ass 80s song right here and they capture the spirit of that song in such a fucking hilarious way and just the juxtaposition of these guys doing the gasoline fight and then really blowing up it's just so dark and so fucking hilarious in just a way that like the movie didn't need a scene like that at all (laughs) no it but it did because it just it creates the like elevation of these roles like all right how are we gonna get zoolander back to his home coal mining town where we learn his father doesn't care for him because he's not a coal miner he's a male model he's an embarrassment Mm -hmm. to him you know he's watching the game in the bar with his buddies and then he comes up as a merman like doing the blue steel face like it's so funny yeah yeah i mean it just they just add like things over and over and over again and like uh you know, last month we covered um, Meet the Parents, and that was uh, Ben Stiller in more of like a straight man kind of role uh, to an extent. And this is showing his comedic chops where he can be the straight man and also be like the goofy idiot, like wild character right here. And well, he's, I think not the Zul- straight, he's not he's not the straight man in this. What are you talking about? No, no, no I'm saying in Meet the Parents. Oh, he's more of the as, man. as that he can do both. He can play an absurd character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's different from like most of his like extreme performances because it's usually like the guy from globo gym where it's oh macho man like i think a happy gilmore where he abuses the the grandma like where even tropic thunder his characters yeah, like that yeah yeah where he has the anger and stuff i mean the straight woman in this movie is is matilda jeffries played by christine taylor and i pulled this clip up uh this is when they go into hiding at hansel's fortress and I, there's something about the end of this clip that I found so funny on a rewatch this time after Christine Taylor gives like her whole spiel of why she dislikes models. When I was in seventh grade, I was the fat kid in my class. Ew. <sighs> All right, forget it. No, 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 no. Do, 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 be cool. Come on. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. My mistake. I was the one that all the pretty girls used to make fun of. It was, it was an awkward phase. Anyway, every day after school, I would come home and 
You know, I'd flip through the pages of my mom's Vogue and Glamour, and uh, I just, I look at these women, these perfect, beautiful, just unbelievable, skinny women. I just couldn't, oh, I couldn't understand why I didn't look like them. I, I just didn't get it, so, um, so I, I became... What? Bulimic. You can read minds. It's when you throw up after every meal. There's just something so perfect about that delivery. After this whole, like, what's the emotional weight of this character? Like, who is she? You know, she's just kind of the the nosy reporter that, you know, works hard at her job. That's all we know about her. And then we get her motivation, and it's just undercut with the most perfect joke that you could not expect. And especially in an industry like modeling, where pretty much all of them know what bulimia is, very common. Yeah. <laughs> and in the video version, of like, when you're watching it in the movie, like, Owen Wilson's reaction is just perfect where he, his eyes are just open. He's like, his mouth is a gaping. He's just like, <laughs> he did that. Yeah. Owen Wilson's perfect casting. I mean, like, you know, this is the second time we covered a movie with the two of them together, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson um, in the span of a month. But like, I mean, like his character here is just like bounces off um, Ben Stiller in a way where like, they're, they're two idiots, but like in different ways, it's slightly, <laughs> but it just, it, it works. <laughs> they have this, it's the arrogance where the stupidity comes from and just the lack of like wanting to even try to understand anything about the real world that mm. that like makes it so funny and one of the things i thought of like this is kind of and i know this isn't adam mckay this is ben stiller directed mm. this but you know you think of the will ferrell like anchorman talladega nights blades of glory like those movies they were cast from the web of like average american man who's an idiot like that's the idea but in a position of power and then like this one doesn't get lumped into that but that's kind of what this like the like the joke of this movie is is like laughing at how ridiculous some of these people can be because they mm -hmm. have some fame and some you know and some power and clout yeah i, I think it i think it, it like gets lumped into that um, yeah. But in terms of movies, let's call it 2000 to 2005, like, where would this, like, sit for you amongst comedies at that time? Because that's a, that's a pretty powerful era of comedies that came out. I, I think that this is probably up there of, like, maybe not A tier, but maybe, like, the B plus tier, um, you know, this movie, I mean, like, as like I said constantly, like, throughout the episode, this was playing throughout Comedy Central all the time back then, and this is a movie that just, like, you know, there's so many good comedic stars like Will Ferrell before he blew up and Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller at the height of their powers. I mean, this was like only a year after Meet the Parents and, you know, right when Ben Stiller was like, could pretty much have a blank check and do whatever he wanted. It sucked though the time of this movie. Um, this movie didn't fully bomb at the box office, but it didn't do as well as I expected because this came out on September 20th, 2001. Uh, September 28th, 2001. So like two weeks after 9-11. 
And a lot of people were not ready to fucking laugh at a movie about uh, political assassination <laughs> at the time. I'm and surprised for- this this didn't get delayed to like 2002. Like, I feel like you just have to sh- shelf it. Like when we covered Dr. Strangelove, there was the JFK assassination. It was supposed to be released right for Oscar nominations. And it was like, yeah, no, we cannot <laughs> release this movie. Uh, we're going to just put it out in like March yeah and and like you know even critics like sometimes were saying like in some stuff where um you know they said like oh like this uh, this plot is like really insensitive and like this is uh roger ebert himself said zoolander is a victim of bad timing and um just people you know they probably would have made a lot more money at the box office if um they just delayed it even like a few months i mean this did do terrible i mean it made like 60 million on like a 28 million budget but like still you kind of would have figured that like this would have been great. Or... This would have been a huge hit if it, you know, if, uh, you know. It was so soon in 9-11 that there were literally shots of the World Trade Center in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and Ben Stiller digitally removed them. Um, like, panic rushed to digitally remove them, I got imagine. Oh, I mean, what like what, what are you supposed to do? I, I guess it's, it's different now at the time, because like, I would imagine there's just a ton of marketing, press, like, all that stuff, I still feel like, you know. I was I was reading an IMDb thing um, on IMDb trivia that apparently um, in New York, an ad for Zoolander 2 was interrupted by a news coverage of the, the World Trade Center. Like, that's one of those, like, weird lost media things you kind of think about, where it's just, like, literally, like, that was pretty much just took over the consciousness for a news cycle. No one gave a shit about Ben Stiller being the male model at the time. <laughs> yeah, and, like, as they should. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, I'm proud of us, Tommy, for not making 9-11 jokes. <laughs> I'm proud of us, you know? Well, well it wasn't the only bomb in September. Uh, yeah, I mean, And listen, there we go. <laughs> listen, usually it's me who takes the dark jokes, but man, you know, you really went, you really collapsed down on it. <laughs> um, so this movie, like, had an interesting, like, little thing where, like, apparently Vincer did this, like, Derek Zoolander type character at the VH1 Fashion Awards in, like, 96 or 90, uh, 97. You know, he kind of uh, rolled off at me. Ben Stiller is a great sketch performer. Um, I was watching the Ben Stiller show. Have you ever seen that before? I have not seen. Was that an HBO show? It was like a Fox show that lasted for a season in the early 90s. And it was Bob Odenkirk, uh, Ben Stiller, and Andy Dick, and Janine Garofalo. And Judd Apatow wrote for it. And it was just a great comedic show. And, like, it just showed off how many different characters Ben Stiller could do. I mean, like, he if that show could have easily ran for seasons and seasons and seasons. But, like, for a reason it didn't. Instead, we got him doing like all these different characters because they had Andy Dick on there. But you know, yeah, and well, Andy Dick was in this movie. Andy Dick was almost going to be um, Will Ferrell's character. What's his name? Um, oh, talk about Mugatu. talk about dodging a bombing. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> right there. Uh, I mean, Andy Dick is at this point. I mean, like you know, we don't need to go in the litany of stuff. But I mean, like it's the point where like that show Love uh, that came out a few years ago. Um, they had a punchline being a character is hit a rock bottom because she was hanging out with Andy Dick. <laughs> Yeah, like that's the, that's what Andy Dick is like now known as. I I still don't fully understand the fascination with Andy Dick. Like I never found him funny in pretty much anything he's been in. He just seems I, like he just seems I, like one of those guys that got popular in the '90s and I uh, like, and then turned out to be a terrible, terrible, terrible human being. And yeah, now he like like a lot of people that have done a lot of bad stuff in Hollywood can end up making a comeback. Andy Dick, nope. 
Nope, nope. Not, not whatsoever. I mean, like, uh, he returned for Zoolander 2 also. Um, so, I mean, like, but that was like, his last movie role. And at this point, it's just, like, so much toxicity with that. I mean, th- there's a joke that, like, if you lived in L.A. for a while, you probably have an Andy Dick story being a creep to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's like Tom Sizemore passed away recently. And he, he had been open about his struggles with drugs and, like, crime and things like that. It, uh, you know, he's a great character actor in the 90s. You go through his Wikipedia page, he was not a good dude, allegedly, on a lot of stuff. Mm. And there was a lot of public outcry for, like, oh, like, you know, he really struggled. Like, you know, deep down, he was a good person. Like, people saying that, like, when Andy Dick passes, he's probably not getting that treatment. No, no, I I doubt there's going to be a whole thing. People are just going to be like, oh, well, this asshole is dead. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, um. And so we mentioned about all the celebrity cameos. Um, which celebrity cameo do you think was your favorite in this movie? I thought the Winona Ryder one was just so funny. Like, yeah. uh, it was just so <laughs> unexpected. And especially at that time, that's, like, after her peak. Yeah. And then they just, it, it, like, slide her in there of her, like, flirting with Derek, like, super hard. It was, like, right after he got brainwashed. It just, it, it, it worked. This was, like, I think maybe like six months before she uh shoplifted all those things and like her career tanked but uh yeah they caught her a good time i personally i don't know if i'd call it a cameo or not but like david accompanying this movie i think is hilarious i mean my favorite line in that the whole thing is when um he tells the whole assassination plot um to ben stiller and then he's like but why would man was he's like what i i, I literally told you <laughs> are you kidding me that's a gif i use constantly <laughs> so tommy did you notice the rocky reference in zoolander did you catch it? I, I vaguely, maybe. <laughs> so when they do the the walk off. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And and oh yeah, but, sitting but, back but, and he's like, "You got to cut open yeah. my eye. You got to cut, yeah, open, cut my open my eye." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of little movie references in this too that were like funny from well known movies. It, it, it's this movie is a good example of a movie from that time where it's not it, it doesn't feel like a cultural like time box like i feel like a lot of times those late 90s early 2000s movies they feel like they kind of constrict themselves to like a lot of pop humor from that time and a lot of like references that would only be funny in that time like making fred durst jokes making britney spirit like doesn't have any of that like the humor just comes from the characters and the humor comes comes from just like the absurdness of the situation they're in it's it's much more character based i mean like i've never seen zoolander 2 obviously but apparently one of the reasons why it's terrible is that like they just over rely on celebrity cameos over and over and over again it's the butt of the joke and those jokes are like probably not going to age well whatsoever i mean like think of like you know like date movie and epic movie and stuff like that when you watch those movies they probably age extremely poorly because literally it's just reference after reference after reference of like pop culture at the time and it's not funny after a while. It's just like, oh, like snakes on a plane joke, whatever. But like, you know, this is character based more mostly and the humor is more so in the absurdity of these characters than it is. Hey, look, Trump's here. Oh, look, Nye Portman's here. I mean, like, yeah, there are some of the jokes, but they don't overwhelm the movie. <laughs> but it, it's those aren't they're even they're not even that much jokes, the celebrity or cameos. It just adds like a level of authenticity to the characters. Like that's where yeah. these celebrities would be. Mm-hmm at high-end fashion shows fashion week that's where these people would be and it just gives a level of realism to 
to what's actually going on and like exactly it's more setting the table it's more like exposition where like you know that's the beginning of the movie the montage of like all these different celebrities saying how much they love Jarek Zoolander and stuff yeah so because like like I said David Bowie's in this he doesn't do anything he's there's like a shot of him sitting in a chair during the the walk-off and that's I I think he's my second favorite cameo and I, I do remember that his Oscars in memoriam was him literally coming up and saying, I might be of, of service. That was the clip they pulled for his Oscars memoriam. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like they just have those, like none of them. Yeah. Again, it's the, the joke is not at the person, like the celebrity's expenses. And it's not about like, do you know that this guy is popular right now? It's just like, oh, they're famous people and this is what they would do. All I remember of uh, Zoolander 2 was like, you know, like DirecTV or whatever. It was like my mom's a cable service on demand when we were trying to look for a movie that would constantly just play like, the trailers over and over again. And Zoolander 2 had a trailer joke that was like talking about how, um, like, why'd you kill Justin Bieber? And Will Ferrell's character was like, you have to ask me why I killed Justin Bieber? Ha ha ha. It's like, that is such a lame, boring lame, joke. Lame boomer humor, humor right there. Like, it's a bad Facebook meme. Is yeah, that, yeah. Is what that joke is. Exactly. Um, Speaking of Mugatu, I think Will Ferrell is one of those people where he needs good, a really good character. And I think sometimes his best performances come when he's not the leading man and he's just more limited. And Mm -hmm. I love the scene where he gets Derek to finally come in to work on the project that's AKA to assassinate the prime minister of Malaysia and I think it's just a good indication of the two characters of Zoolander and Mugatu. Well, to tell you the truth, I was a little hesitant at first, Mr. Mugatu. I mean, you've never hired me before, and I've been around for, for ages and ages. You've been around for a long, long time. I never wanted anything from you. And now you're retired. I can't have you. And it's funny how it switches like that. But now the forbidden fruit must be tasted. Well, when Maury told me what you were willing to do, I... Todd! Are you not aware that I get farty and bloated with a foamy latte? My mistake, Jacobin! Your mistake indeed! (laughs) Yes, Derek. What Maury said I was willing to do for you. Let's get back to the reason that we're really here. Without much further ado, I give you the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building. Derek, it's just a... I don't want to hear your excuses! The center has to be at least three times bigger than this. I love that sequence, and I felt like it was the best way to illustrate both of their performances in this, where Will Ferrell is... It's basically... um, the devil's wear wears Prada, um, but yeah. to a much heightened extreme. And 
like with the foam latte. He's like, you know, that makes me get, and he just spills it all over his assistant. And then the the Zoolander Center for for you know kids who can't read good and stuff, and it's just a model. And he's like, "What is this a center for ants?" Again, yeah, it's one of the that's... most quoted lines in the movie, but it's so yeah. well delivered. Like I feel like people don't see it in the context of the movie; they just see like a, a still picture of it when it's like yeah. a reply to something where it's something dumb. Like it's so well delivered, and it just it shows like the intelligence level of these characters but like this guy wants to open an education center yet he mm-hmm. is not smart enough to realize that that's a model <laughs> yeah <laughs> the juxtaposition of it um i mean it, they just bounce off each other and like you know i wish that like ben stone and will ferrell were in slightly more comedies together um because they do bounce off each other i mean I, I can't remember off the top of my head like all the ones they've been in but still i mean like you know we this movie just like is just great in terms of that just great comedic energy I and mean, like even like vince vaughn pops up i don't think vince vaughn even says a single line in this movie but he's still fucking hilarious when we see him on screen <laughs> yeah and john voight was also great actually you know we'll jump into it because there's there's so many people so many performances star i'm a star i'm a star i'm a star i am a big bright shining star so tommy who is the star of zoolander i feel like this is a good time to talk into like John Voight as Derek's father, Jerry Stiller as as Maury, his his agent. Um, just so many like little performances that are only in there for a couple of minutes, but it's still they're so good and so funny. Even the fact that like Mila Mila Jodovich, I didn't realize that that was her until um, like looking up the cast afterwards uh, as like the Russian like uh, spy. <laughs> she was fucking hilarious too. But I mean, like Jerry Stiller is amazing. I mean, John Voight. I wasn't sure if it was Robert Patrick or not at first, because that John Voight in the early 2000s looks like Robert Patrick today. <laughs> the T-1000 himself. But um, I have to go with Will, uh, Ben Stiller. I mean, I just think that like his just reactions, his just like overall face and mannerisms are just cracking me up. Like even in the gasoline fight where he's just like bubbling around, just looking so fucking goofy and stuff like that. He just like hit my funny bone in a way that was great. <laughs> yeah, I think this is this is Ben Stiller. Well, all the way. It's just, it's one of his most iconic performances. Maybe besides Tropic Thunder, his best comedic performance, in my opinion. Um, Mm. There's a reason that this movie just gets played over and over again on Comedy Central. Like, literally, they're just diving into the depths of of memeage with this movie, where it was like, I'm not your friend, bruh, right? Like, that was the latest one that came out of this movie. Yeah. 22 years after it's released. It's one of those movies. It's just it's timeless to watch. Uh, mm. Definitely not one of those movies that you can watch like multiple times a year. But if you give it like five years in between your viewing and then you put up Zoolander, you'll be like, "That's a really funny movie." Like, yeah, it needs that. There, there's some scenes that like I I, I it's it's weird because this is one of the movies that we've covered that like I've seen scenes of this movie fucking over and over and over again and like the still I just you know this is a cable movie 100 percent because like this is a movie that you would turn on on Comedy Central, HBO, wherever, and you'd be like, oh, like, David, they're doing the David Duchovny scene right now. I have to go watch this right now. I mean, there's so many great little heat checks throughout this movie that are just incredible to see. But overall, I mean, Ben Stiller is obviously the rock that keeps it together. I mean, he directed this movie, too. He's very clearly the star of this movie. So um, it's disappointing that Zoolander 2 apparently was god shit. But, you know, take what you get. That's what happens to comedies 20 years after. It's, It's a... Doesn't work as well, yeah. <laughs> it's just a victim of circumstance. You know, maybe if this movie made a hundred million dollars, they would have made Zoolander two in like two thousand three. If 
it big, probably would have been just as shitty. It probably it probably would have would have been a little better, but yeah. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Tommy, does Zoolander work as a Muppet adaptation? Yeah, I mean, this movie is very like goofy and cartoony in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you could see a Muppet adaptation where it's just like, would you keep Ben Stiller as the only human? And the rest would be Muppets or something like that. And like, you know, uh, the person who's like uh, the Owen Wilson character is instead is like Kermit or something like that, where it's just like, oh, like puppets. Muppets are so hot right now. They're so in. <laughs> I I just want to keep Jerry Stiller as the human, because anytime he says, I've gotten a large prostate, uh, like it just <laughs> I just think of Frank Costanza and it's just perfect. And yeah, just for that line alone. Yeah. I mean, you probably just keep Derek Zoolander, but. I don't know if this one would work as well as a Muppet adaptation because it's like, it's not like physically goofy enough, you know. Like the movements are so tight because they're models. Like it has to be, like it's not. Yeah. Sla- it's not slapsticky enough for me. Like, yeah, some of the Muppets could deliver the jokes, but I, I think, I, I don't think it would translate as well as other comedies would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a certain. Uh take to it but yeah <laughs> tommy review time give me your score out of five um this is a really fun uh late watch um yeah i watched this last night um with a few drinks under my belt and i think this is probably an ideal way to watch this movie because it was just very funny and just made me laugh out loud i mean uh, i don't know about you but when i watch comedies by myself i usually don't laugh out loud that much but yeah. this one this one did it for me yeah, this um, one had so. a few that makes you actually laugh when you're watching a comedy alone yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I'm going to go four out of five. I think this is a really fun movie um, and a great performance by Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. So. Yeah, I'm going to go with three and a half out of five. Again, not. I don't think we're that far off on it. I just think that's kind of where it lands. Like, just yeah. very funny movie, very loose plot that the characters just get to play off of. It's not super, even though the stakes are technically high, It's it's taken with a grain of salt and... It's just terrific performances. Heat checks all around from the entire cast, like legitimately laugh out loud, funny moments, even if you're watching the movie alone. I think it's one of those movies that you're, you know, they'll still be talking about in 20, 30 years from now because it is just that funny. And it's one of the relics of like the last great comedy runs that like movies had because then in the 2010s, you just didn't get that. So three and a half out of five, great comedy definitely recommend it so tommy any final thoughts uh so one thing i wanted to mention uh that was there must have been something in the water in 2001 because this had a lot of parallels to a movie we covered around the same time uh, last year josie and the pussycats it's the same pretty much basic plot when you think about it just skewing the entertainment industry in terms of like fucking uh and using the pop stars or male models as assassinations or mind control techniques so i did find a lot of funny parallels within that but um so yeah that's kind of interesting i just still think of the girl that I sat next to who sung every word to every song throughout the entire time. And I was just like, oh, Tommy. Is that your main takeaway from Josie and the Pussycats one year later? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but anyways, uh, you know, follow us on social media at Cinepod. Uh, that's uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also leave us a five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast really helps us out. And, you know, we're get, gearing up for April. Uh, we're still finalizing the schedule, but we're going to have some good movies. So uh, stay tuned. Yes, stay tuned for April. Thank you all so much for listening today. We will see you next time.